In case you thought Roy Harper's life could have get more fucked up, here comes Justice League Rise and Fall. Welcome to Divisive Issues, uh, the comic podcast where we discuss controversial issues in comics. Last time we discussed Cry for Justice, a comic Previously that... on Divisive Issues. Just listen to the other episode. <laughs> I'm Slay Crapa. I'm Ryan Lynch. You're going to make me say my name again? Yes. For real? Yes. You're doing this now? I'm Joe Ciano. You all know that. <laughs> that was a different thing we did. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, Justice League Rise of Fall. The premise of this book is Green Arrow... Falls, technically. Let's give a quick recap. Of, it's been a couple weeks since Cry for Justice. Let's give a quick recap of what happens. So, last time in Cry for Justice, Prometheus uh, cut off Roy Harper's... Roy Harper's ha- uh, Prometheus- okay, you want me to handle this? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, Prometheus, a Justice League villain, attacked the Justice League for a bunch of stupid reasons, cut off Roy Harper... Wait, Harper's- wait, a Justice League villain attacked the Justice League? Yes. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and he cut off Roy Harper... Red Arrow, Speedy, Arsenal, all his other names. Pretty Boy from the TV show on the yes. CW. Green Arrow, sidekick. <laughs> yes. Green Arrow's first sidekick. Cut his arm off, killed his daughter, destroyed his city, and then Green Arrow, Oliver Queen, killed Prometheus with an arrow through the head. That's pretty much pretty much everything, right? Well, everything you need to know for this. What? I'm messing with you. Just keep, <laughs> just keep fucking going. <laughs> so the premise of, Ry- of Justice League Rise and Fall... Is Green Arrow now has to deal with the repercussions of his, of killing Prometheus in the, in the view of the legal community and the super community. So he falls, while Arsenal has to rise from missing an arm and losing a daughter. Honestly, I would say that it should have been the other way. Green Arrow seems to rise pretty well, and boy does Arsenal fall. I don't think anyone rises. I think everyone just gets like, man, boys, boys, it was life hard for both of these two people. Roy especially can't rise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> we'll, that's a little, we'll get to that. <laughs> There's an ironic uh, quality to the title, I feel. That it's it, re- it means rise of fan anger and fall of sales? <laughs> exactly. So, would you recommend Justice League Rise and Fall? Ryan Lynch. I would recommend this to one type of person. If you read Cry for Justice, even if you hated it, but you feel like there was big holes in that story, I think this story does a decent job at filling in those gaps. So if you read Cry for Justice, and for some reason it's on your bookshelf, and like me, <laughs> and you want to fill in those gaps a little bit and get that whole thing kind of fleshed out a little bit more, I would recommend it. If that's not the case, no, I would not. What about you, Josiano? Um, I... I don't think it fills in as many holes as Ryan. I think it, from that, from Cry for Justice, it only fills in one hole, which is how the hell did Green Arrow get to Prometheus? No, I think it, I, it, I think it flushes. I don't think it fills in holes. I think it flushes out, though. I would recommend it only as a companion piece to Cry for Justice. Yeah, not I would as agree. A standalone. Um, I would only recommend it if you really, if you love Roy Harper so much that you want to be there for his most awful moments. Um, I would recommend this book to you. Um, otherwise. What are you doing, man? What about you, Sly? Um, I have to feel the same way. If you're reading this book, what are you doing for your life? <laughs> <laughs> I actually know. I would recommend it if you have a comedy podcast about reviewing shitty comics. I'm saying no. I would recommend this book. Only one issue. Issue three of Arsenal. It's mystifying. The shit that happens. That is issue. that the Cheshire issue? Yeah. Okay. It is. It is something. One it, thing. It's I, something special. I want to point out before Sly gets into the big plot. This book is actually broken into two parts the first half is the rise of green arrow which is just two issues from green arrow's main book and the and then a four issue miniseries that's the oh wait yeah the fall of green arrow <laughs> i get confused first part is green arrow the rise of green arrow second part is the fall of arsenal no you have those switched <laughs> yeah I, it's the fall of green arrow the rise we're gonna probably do a lot of times episode just <laughs> yeah that's why it's called rise and fall because it's whatever yeah but i understand he was already arsenal before <laughs> yeah. How how can it be right? It's so we'll go through the Green Arrow stuff first, which deals with the fallout of him killing Prometheus. Okay. And then we'll go through the Arsenal issues, which is what happens to Arsenal afterwards. So the order of the trade. The order of the trade. Okay. But we will... If you were just reading the miniseries, yes, you wouldn't have any idea what we were talking about for the first half. 
So before we get into uh, the actual plot, and spoilers are coming, guys. So if you're interested in reading this book, uh, like we said, don't. But if, okay. I, I don't know, whatever. Do whatever you want your life. <laughs> boss of you. It's your money. Yeah. So Instead of spending on lotto tickets, spend it on this. Those are the only two things you're allowed to buy. <laughs> Those are the two things I buy. <laughs> so before we get to the plot, uh, we can talk about the creative team a bit. There's too many artists to really talk about. There's all a them. bunch of artists, but uh, no, I don't, I've never read anything by J.T. Kroll, but Ryan has. Uh, what's your opinion on the the entire book is written by J.T. Kroll, both of those parts, and I have read his Teen Titans, and I really like it. His Teen Titans. Wait, he, he writes both. Yes. Wow, that is that is interesting. Yeah, he can he can juggle pretty decent and pretty terrible at the same time. Yeah, he writes his Teen Titans, and it's really it's. It's it's a great arc, and I felt it was the best Teen Titans story in years. Um, I know he's re- he's written a lot of Green Arrow. I haven't read any of his Green Arrow, but I actually, after reading his two Green Arrow issues here, I do want to check it out. But he's a writer that I've never read anything that floored me, but up until Rise of Arsenal, I haven't really read anything that I didn't at least enjoy a little bit. So how, did, how did you guys feel going into this book, uh, the premise? Because I actually thought the premise, what I thought was the premise, would be interesting. The idea that Arsenal is rising and Green Arrow is falling and they're meeting each other in the middle. As the, t- the back says, both men are on a collision course that can't be avoided and neither will try. Do they even meet in the book? Oh, there's a huge scene at the end where they meet. Oh, at the very end. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, f- I forgot about it. Did you even read the story, Ryan? I read it a few days ago. <laughs> Yesterday. Uh, did you try and like wipe most of it from your mind? Yeah. So how do you feel about this premise and the fact that it's largely a lie? <laughs> Uh, I originally like was interested in the book because I thought that it was gonna be Green Arrow trying to help Roy deal with everything, but it's not really. Yeah. And the premise, yeah, the premise is kind of a lie. Yeah. Yeah, Roy's not even in any of the Green Arrow. I'm sorry, he's unconscious. Yeah. For, on a page in the Green Arrow parts of the book. Um, I, I didn't know too much of the premise. I was just like. Oh, this is the Roy Harper follow-up yeah. to Cry for Justice, and that had me interested enough, uh, knowing his eventual fate uh, down the line in a book I'm sure we'll discuss later in Eric Wallace's Titans. So I was very interested to see the, the bridge gap between Cry for Justice and his appearance in Titans. Two terrible runs. Yeah. Roy is having a really hard time. This is a really rough stretch for Roy Harper. Yeah. yeah. Really rough go. So, getting into the plot. First we'll cover... I mean, can we talk about the art real quick? Yeah, I I, I I I noticed nothing stand up. I definitely think there are there. You know, it's solid art for the most part. Very clean. They do some. They do some mix up. Uh, the uh, dream sequence Roy has with the uh, photo static realistic art uh, during that dream sequence. Uh, I thought was really trippy, but I thought it was very good use in contrast to the more traditional style comic art. I think the covers are fantastic. The Green Arrow covers I love. I actually. It's, it's ironic because it has an inverse relationship with Cry for Justice, at least the Green Arrow parts, where I don't hate the story, but the art is so bipolar. Um, one time, one minute's trying to go for a Cry for Justice look, next minute's trying to replicate like Alex Ross, and it's going for more classic comic That's feel. like, I felt that scene by scene, it changes a lot, where some scenes, it was very like painted almost. Uh, some scenes reminded me of Andrea Sorrentino's art, if you followed the Jeff Lemire Green Arrow run. That's a good comparison. Yeah, but then there's other issues that seem just... Or other scenes that are just so... I couldn't have picked it up from a row of comic book artists at DC at the time. And you know, it's, it is really all over the place. Yeah. I don't think any of it's bad. Yeah, and it never detracted from it. Yeah, it never detracts from it yeah. at all. In fact, it, it usually enhances yeah, it. Yeah. It detracted from me, like... It made the book feel like it doesn't have a solid identity. I know you're you're a lot more... All fair, you know Roy Harper... <laughs> I guess it represents the book. So, yeah. So, getting into the plot, if I'm allowed to. Yes. No, yeah, no, no. That's I, 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 listen, I, I thought the art was worth touching no, on. No, it definitely is. I, I, I was going to touch upon it later, but... Sly. Yeah. Sly. Sly. <laughs> I fucking told myself, you fucking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so, getting into the plot. Um, hey, wha- hey, how about we get into the plot? <laughs> we get into the plot around here? Come on. <laughs> yeah, why is it taking us so long to get into the plot? So, Green Arrow, Fall of Green Arrow, Rise of Ar- Green Arrow, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> the Green it's Arrow. Green Arrow issue 31 and 32. Yeah. So, the Green Arrow chunk of the story is about Green Arrow just killed Prometheus. He flashbacks to it. Meanwhile, everyone's looking for Prometheus. Everyone wants to find Prometheus because they still think Prometheus is, on, is at large and he just blew up a whole city and they need to stop him from blowing up more cities. 
Yeah. So Green Green Lantern. Him and his dumb fucking helmet. <laughs> so Green Lantern, uh, uh, Green Arrow's uh, former partner in crime, and uh, Barry Allen Flash. Not to be confused with Jay Garrick Flash from last time, or Wally West Flash from earlier in the issue. <laughs> There's a lot of flashes going around, running around at this time. Literally, I just wish there were less. I feel like you know there were. There were so there were less I know flash. what you're gonna say, and I really I hate feel like they really need ghost. like one flash. Like we don't need all these other flashes. Just you know, just get rid of them. Uh, just quick backstory on the two flashes that are featured in this book. Wally was a teen sidekick with Roy. He was on the Teen Titans with him, and he was Kid Flash. Now he's a Flash, mm-hmm. and Barry was on the Justice League. He was the old Flash. You know, from the 60s and 70s, from the TV show. Mm-hmm. And he was on the Justice League with Green Arrow. So you have Wally has a much closer relationship with Roy. Barry has much more of a history with Ollie. Quick backstory on me. I'm a jerk, and I'm going to troll Ryan on occasion. I love every Flash so much, and DC hates me so much. <laughs> I'm glad uh, we went to the backstory of Wally, because he shows, shows up on one page, literally. So Okay, well, he's my favorite character, so no, whatever. He has a very important... I love that scene. It's a good scene, but... Yeah, get out of here. Fuck me, right? Yeah, yeah. So, thank you, Joe. You've redeemed yourself in my eyes. Oh, I'll re- unredeem myself in five minutes. Getting to the Flash that's actually, like, a main character. Barry, which is the Flash everyone knows now. Because you know the relevant Flash. The Flash is in TV show. Like, the best one. Uh, the one that's not Ryan's favorite. Fuck that guy. I do love Barry Al. Don't get me wrong. But I will always be a Wally West fanboy. So, uh, Barry and Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern. From, from Cry for Justice. Yeah, his his famous story. What was best known well, for? Well, if it's a se- if this is the sequel episode, I think it bears <laughs> mentioning. I would like to point out before Sly gets into the plot, uh, this <laughs> artist does a really good job at the Flash legacy of really hyper stylizing his butt. Every Flash in the world has the most detailed butt. Well, you, you gotta tone those glutes. <laughs> it's all that running, I think. It's all that running. Yeah. It's all that running. Great for your butt. That's something that me and my friends and my brother have talked about a lot. That for some reason, the Flash is the only male superhero that's butt is so sexualized all the time. It's called knowing your target audience, yeah. Ryan. And I love, I love me a good speedster butt. You love butts. So, um, as <laughs> sorry if I was a little too cheeky for you, Sly. <laughs> as Hal and uh, Barry are looking, f- find out about what. Uh, uh, Green Arrow did to Prometheus with the arrow on his head. They just go there, and Ollie left him there with the arrow in his head. Yeah, right? oh, yeah, just you know, just, you know, like you do. I'm surprised that Ollie didn't do anything to cover it up at all. Well, I'm surprised he didn't bring him. Like he didn't like say, "Hey, stop looking for his mass terrorist. He's dead." Because then he would, it would, everyone well, would know he killed him. Yeah, so we're surprised all like Green Arrow didn't you know admit to murder. But I'm saying like, shade, say shade didn't show Green Arrow and Flash. There'll be a state of emergency for, like, how long? Yeah, no, I'm not saying... I'm saying, why did Ollie just leave the body there for someone to find? Complete, like, complete he, with the arrow, like, through yeah, the skull. Yeah, like, he, there's, he just, like... And he's just like, uh, I'm just not gonna help them yeah. look for it. Oh, wait, it. wait, Sly, can you go to the page? It's the arrow in his skull. Yep. Yeah. Wait, it, so, so someone... Someone took the helmet off and then put... <laughs> Put the arrow back through his skull. <laughs> it was the, the baby scientist he left there. <laughs> oh, yeah, where's the baby scientist? <laughs> where's the baby scientist? And think about it. Let's go with that. Someone took him down from the wall, like, took his helmet off, like, had to take the arrow out, take the helmet off, See, no, and I th- then put the arrow back through his I head. I think that's an homage to Cry for Justice. The helmet was off, the helmet was on, the helmet was well, off. you got to be consistent. Like, people love taking apart Prometheus helmet, putting it back together. Like, that's, yeah. that's what you do. Yeah, I think this is this is on point. <laughs> yeah, sure. All right, let's move along. Yeah. Getting to Green Arrow and Black Canary. Uh, Black Canary being Green Arrow's wife, who is a female superior ass kicker with sonic screams. Green Arrow is on the warpath for the guy who set the bombs for Prometheus in uh, whatever city Green Arrow is in. Star City. Star City. Yeah. God damn it. Star- Which no, has been bombed it. out, so there's a giant star in the middle of the city. Yeah. Pretty- Prometheus has a cheeky side to him. <laughs> yeah. Green Arrow really wants to find an electrocutioner, which is the greatest... That's a villain I've heard of. Yeah, he's an A-list villain, of course. And I wonder it, what his powers are. As they're doing so, Green Lantern made um, a nice little green coffin for Prometheus. With his magic space ring. Yeah, yeah, to carry Prometheus' body around. When they go to confront Ollie on this. Yeah, and Barry's pretty pissed off that uh, Green Arrow murdered Prometheus. And... And uh, Black, Black Canary says, this will be become executioners. And Barry points at Green Arrow saying, no, it's what he's become. <laughs> Justice. 
I think he does say something about justice. I'm sure he does. He says, like, this isn't justice, this is vengeance. To be fair, we're, we're, we're the Justice League, not the Vengeance League, I believe. Yeah, I think that's quote. it. But, um, yeah, he's pretty pissed. And Green Arrow points out that Barry has murdered people in the past, too. He murdered uh, Reverse Flash. Yeah, Barry in the 80s had murdered his rival, and he had voted to lobotomize another enemy. But Kroll does, I think credit is due here, Kroll does mention that that was when Barry was, you know, it was spur of the... Like, it was... Reverse Flash was about to kill Barry's wife. It wasn't premeditated. It wasn't premeditated. It it, It was an accident more or less, and he also says that since Barry came back from the dead, he wants to be better than he used to be. So he does address it, which, when I was reading it, and Barry first confronts Green Arrow, I was like, why, of all the people, why would Barry be the one to do it? I felt that Kroll justified it well. But uh, do you agree with Barry that uh, Green Arrow uh, is in the wrong here? This is a motif that I despise in superhero comics, that everyone's heard this argument about Batman before, about why he doesn't kill the Joker. For some reason, in the DC Universe, if you kill one person, you have to kill everyone now. You, you are now as bad as them. For murdering a murderer, you are as bad and as like, I'm not, I'm not saying you should murder somebody, but they act like you murdered this guy that destroyed a whole city and killed millions of people and ripped off one of our best friend's arms and did all these you murder, things. You murdered this terrorist. You murdered this terrorist, and now you're going to murder everyone. It's possible to just kill one guy yeah. when he's really terrible. If you're going to make him such a terrorist that he blew up a whole city and someone kills him, no one these people shouldn't be that mad at him. That's just that like maimed maimed his like his his young sidekick. His, he, for all intents and purposes his son. Pretty much he, he maims his his pseudo son in Roy Harper and then pretty kills much his kills his granddaughter. I, I I don't know if we should get to it now or when we get to the uh, actual trial of Green Arrow which comes later, but the legal I can't imagine this ever happening in real life that a guy who suffered this much trauma directly at the hands of a terrorist will be judged by any human being. Not to get too heavy and serious for a second, but think about the general public reaction when Osama bin Laden was killed or when the Boston bomber was caught. Nobody's calling them out on that. Like, that's what had to be done. Yeah. Yes, it was premeditated, but this guy is so... Prometheus is so powerful... So dangerous. He's so dangerous and so powerful that he took out the Justice League, which is filled with, like, gods, and he took out speedsters and all this stuff that, like, Ali saw an opportunity and killed him. I don't see why they're so mad at him. It, it, I do, think do you think it's because he's not the law? And that these are people who, out, who operate outside the law, and that because they operate outside the law, like, who do they answer to? Can they just go around killing whoever they want? Can they all just be the Punisher? It would be great if somebody argued that in this book. Yeah, but... But no, I don't think... Same thing with Cry for Justice. The morals aren't nuanced. What I don't get is how... Why is Green Lantern so mad? He, in Cry for Justice... This is supposed to be a sequel for, for Cry for Justice. He said, we have to go be more proactive. And when they had Prometheus in custody, he blew up Star City. Did you think he was mad? I, I didn't think... He brings the body to him. Well, he, they bring the body, obviously, because they go to find him, but I I never got that he was super mad. It's Green not Lantern. that he's super mad, but I he think is he was more... judgmental about ba- it. Barry? He... No, Hal. Oh, Hal's not super mad. He's just um, going Hal, on... I think, wants to talk it out. Yeah. I think Hal okay. kind of realizes that his friend is really close to going over the I edge. I think I'm, I'm probably just fair, confusing he also, him and Barry. He, he says... also has gone... I mean, he realizes his friend has gone over the edge here. But what bit. did Hal want? Them oh, no, to I do agree. And cry for justice. Isn't that what he wanted them to go out and find criminals? And Prometheus is obviously someone you can't put in a jail cell because they had him tied up and he blew up the city while he was in custody. I actually, actually, this is hilarious. You bring that up because I didn't bring this up in the cry for justice episode, but the whole idea of Hal being proactive led to something way worse than what Green Arrow does. And now Hal Jordan judges Green Arrow for exactly. what? Because not to get too much into continuity, uh, but Hal Jordan, when he became last time he became proactive. He killed the entire Green Lantern Corps. He Which, kill- at the time, was only, like, two dozen people or whatever. But he murdered a whole entire Corps yeah. and tried to uh, rewrite time and space. And so, how... No one questions- and they reference that in this book. Yeah. And no, That's and not the- deep continuity. Yeah. They reference it. And during the Cry for Justice, and the reason why it sucks, no one in the Justice League brings it up when, they sh- when they're trying to bring up why Hal shouldn't be... That's, we talked a lot about how in Cry for Justice they reference this really minute, obscure continuity, but they don't reference anything that really matters. Yeah. Like, in this book, I give Kroll a lot of credit, because we're dumping on this issue a lot already, but everything he brings up 
is all the questions fans would ask, and he does bring it up in a very natural way that I feel like when he brings up Barry killing Reverse Flash, Hal's time as a supervillain, all that stuff, it's very well handled that I feel like he gets the character's motivations and he talks about them in a way that is easy to digest and follow for a newer reader without bogging you down in all the other nonsense. Yeah, I agree with Ryan. It's all done at the right time exactly yeah. when it needs to be yes. said. Because comics have a lot of like heavy exposition, but I feel like this is done very well. I, I do find it weird, though. Uh, it seems like they're trying to make Hal more consistent with how Hal would actually be, and now how Hal will be in Cry for Justice, which I guess technically is a good thing, because... Yeah. Hal yeah. This is much more of Johns' Hal Jordan at the time. Yeah, who... Jeff Johns is the definitive modern writer for... Yeah. He's, he's a Ryan Reynolds uh, Green Lantern. Kind of. Kind of, yeah. But, but Johns' uh, run is a hell of a lot better yeah, than that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. It feels like, to me, these issues, Kroll read Cry for Justice and didn't like it and is trying his damnedest to fix it, but given the status quo that I assume editorial handed to him that Ali has to pay for his crime, or at least like be- face trial or whatever, and I feel like Kroll is doing the best job with a shit sandwich. Yeah. So, so Hal does say, don't go down this road, I did, and, but Green Arrow doesn't buy what Hal's selling, and he beats up Green Arrow and Flash in uh, two pages. Well, he uses, like, the same trick from Cry for Justice, yeah. he uses some f- special arrow, he doesn't beat them up, he escapes. But he escapes long enough uh, for Black Canary to fight Green Arrow, and for her, her to lose, and for him to escape from her. Yeah, but I mean, With like, it's... sticky glue arrow. Yeah. Which is sticky and all gluey. Yeah. I, I, I guess you could, Green Arrow is a more resourceful hero than most people uh, give him credit, but... I feel like and, most not-powered heroes yeah. have to be. They have to be, otherwise yeah. why would they be But, but people be like, oh, he doesn't he shoots arrows? That's all he does, fuck. You know, yeah, he's a boxing glove arrow. Yeah, I'm shut just up. gonna make that shut joke, up, people. You don't know. You don't know nothing about no green arrow. I'll buy it because he does get a drop on them. Uh, but um, but it, it honestly is a good thing he escapes because the way I do like the way they handle the resolution to Green Arrow's arc because he finds the, re- the executioner, executioner, whatever the fuck his name yeah. is, uh, and... Before he finds the executioner, he meets Speedy, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Mia. My favorite Green Arrow character. She's a street rat taken in by Ali to be her sidekick. She's got a lot of attitude, and she's got a lot more of an edge. Was she the first like superhero to ever have AIDS or something like that? Yes, she was the first superhero to be HIV positive, I believe. Um, well, I not, no, actually, Image had a bunch of hip, gritty AIDS characters. I she believe. was, I believe, the first DC character. Yeah, she was. Um, and her time... And that's a thing. We have... Hip, gritty. <laughs> but uh, Green Arrow, the scene I like is Green Arrow gives Electrocutioner for Mia to execute. And she was also uh, Leanne Roy's daughter's babysitter at the time Leanne yeah. was killed. Which is going to be relevant. Yeah. But uh, Green Arrow realizes uh, he doesn't want Mia to do what he did and become what he did. He could see the vengeance in her eyes, as he says. And he decides, the justice in her eyes. The justice in her eyes. <laughs> and he, he gives himself up to... Uh, Barry and Hal, as kind of like a show of faith to Mia that like I'm not a murderer. And also that this is the way let's do it the right way. Don't become like a, let's, no. Let's, it's it's a sobering moment for him when he sees. I think he has a there's a line where he says about how vengeance and all that stuff is contagious. Yeah. And he sees it infecting the people around him. Yeah. And that's his, like, I can't do this anymore moment. And and this is when I feel like... that's that's It was a very good scene. Yeah, and that's the thing is, this is when I feel like Kroll was given this kind of, like, tough-to-work-around status quo, and this is when he tells a real story with it. And I I really enjoyed that whole scene and him turning himself in. Yeah, this is where the book picked up for me, and I thought it really became interesting. Absolutely. Overall, Green Arrow's story I find to be... uh, Pretty standard in terms of quality of comics, even though it handles a, a terrible status quo pretty well. Mm-hmm. I do find this scene to be great. Uh, Green Arrow's giving him over to police. And they unmask him. and They reveal he's Green, uh, Oliver Queen, who was the former mayor of Star yep. City. He reveals, <laughs> they reveal that he's that guy with the same goatee as Green Arrow. Yeah, it's one of those reveals that I'm like, how, they really should have had somebody be like, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> Like it's it's pretty obvious. Yeah, there's so much. The officers just like groan collectively and just like, oh damn it! Of course, fuck. <laughs> so, Black Canary goes to see uh, Green Arrow in prison, and basically, she's kind of sick of dealing with bullshit, and she gives him her wedding ring. And like, she should, because he's been. I'm going on a justice spree for a couple of weeks, honey. See you later, bye. Yeah. As Joe said, he yeah. didn't call her for weeks. 
And they're a married couple. Yeah. They hadn't been married for all that long, and when she actually married him, he was, it was actually a shapeshifter that she murdered at their honeymoon, and then she had to rescue him from the Wonder Woman Comics, Island. ladies and gentlemen. Comics, LOL. <laughs> so they were eventually married, but like, it's not like this is a, a marriage that has been in the comics for 30 years. But a shapeshifting weird guy is the equivalent of like a rough patch in a marriage. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. this is a couple that could have been married for 30 years. Yeah, but because they've always been on again, off again... Yeah. I was like, I get why she's doing this, and it's not like when Peter oh, no, Parker... Her motivation and, is yeah. absolutely... It's not like when Peter Parker and Mary Jane's marriage went away that you were like, oh, this is a total shift in status quo. Mm-hmm. Ollie and Black Canary breaking up, it's like, they'll be back together, it's fine. But the next scene is Green Arrow and Court uh, being viewed by the rest of the Justice League in disguise. I love the art. It's Ollie on the bench yeah. looking into the... the audience and it shows the Justice League in regular clothes in civvies in in regular civvies yeah and they put on like a see-through like veil of their costumes so you could see who every character is through the art and not the narration and I I've never really seen that done like that and I think it's awesome it was a very cool scene yeah so as we get to that scene Superman's there and Green Arrow, knowing that Superman's superhero can pick it up, whispers, Sure, now you show up. Which is a very, very good point. Where does Superman go after the first scene of Cry for Justice, and why did yeah. he never show up again? Especially, we were talking about how in Cry for Justice, they reference all these crazy, specific status quo with, like, Supergirl and stuff. Superman is so absent, they never mention it. I'm like, he probably could have helped. I, was, I think Superman would be a, a, a nice edge in her corner. Yeah. If you'll indulge me in a little bit of Green Arrow minutia, this is actually, it reminded me of a scene that I find hilarious in Judd Winnick's Green Arrow Black Canary run just a couple years prior, where Connor, Green Arrow's son, gets shot. They're in the middle of the ocean, and he gets hit by a sniper. They're like in the middle of nowhere, and Ollie just yells to the sky, Superman, Superman, come save us. And Superman is on the other side of the world at work, and he hears it and runs and saves them. And it's hilarious. And I feel like this is reminiscent of that, but it's kind of like, you were there when I needed you that one time, but you also weren't there a different time. I'm mad at you. <laughs> but I do. I, it reminded me almost of what we talked about in the Civil War episode when Daredevil says, like, I have another piece of silver for you. Yeah. Like, it's just this really quick, short line that just bites. And impactful. I, it's really impactful. It also shows it's, it's the divide between the big picture superheroes and the street level guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this line really works. Yeah. They need to have the Superman Come Save Me scene at some point in the, in the DC Cinematic Universe. Because that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be great. I wouldn't want that Superman to come save me. He would destroy my whole town. So he just like flies through the boat that they're on. <laughs> he would destroy my local Sears. <laughs> and I up. But, uh, so Green Arrow is put on trial, and he gets off, uh, <laughs> in the legal sense. He's acquitted. Yeah, uh, he is acquitted. Of murder. And, um... Which, like we were saying before, like, that's a jury in Star City. Why would they... How could they possibly find him guilty? I agree, but do you find it realistic that the judge is so angry that Oliver Queen got let off that he says, You might be... Uh, free, but you're not allowed in the city anymore. You are exiled from Star City. I don't know enough about the legal system to know if that's at all a thing. It seemed very weird to me. Yeah, what's, what's weirder, that or or the Seinfeld? You have to be my butler, like judge <laughs> sentence. Like, like which one? Which one is the more unrealistic, like use of justice in America? I feel like they're right on the same level. <laughs> but I don't think if you're on trial in front of a grand jury, I don't think the judge could just add a new sentence to you. I don't think that's how it works. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure you can't just overrule. You can't, a judge can't say, the jury just found you not guilty, but I will give you a new sentence that will punish you. Yeah, I did like the, I feel like the judge is like, listen, this is, judge like, this is BS. You're guilty. You know you're guilty. I'm going to try and do something here. Yeah, I don't, I mean, in the scope of the story, it makes sense, but I don't know how realistic that is. If anyone's a lawyer, because I'm not going to look this up, I don't care enough. Write us in at divisiveissues.gmail.com. <laughs> I think, because like, the, the reason why it's done is so Green Arrow goes into his new status quo, which is basically Green Arrow gets exiled and goes to the woods and goes out looking for justice I there. think he becomes like a real Robin Hood character. Yeah, but... But um, I don't know, because I haven't read it yet. I, I think in terms of like exiling Green Arrow, they could have just had him get exiled just for the fact that I'm sure it's not going to be convenient for him to be public in Star City after 
all the shit he's done to yeah. criminals and stuff. That's what I feel like it was an editorial driven. Yeah. The judge was just Dan DiDio, the editor in chief of DC, saying, "Hey, you, he's got to go in that forest." <laughs> Uh, I do like that the hardcover includes a preview of the new Green Arrow book, which is bizarre to just read in the middle of... Was it in the middle or was it at the end? end? It's at the end. I like that it's there, but it felt really weird that they're like, was this book just okay? Read a different book. Uh, That ends the Green Arrow segment. Now we're getting to the So we we all agree the Green Arrow segment, not bad. It's solid. It's solid, yeah. It, It was... It was good. Like I it wasn't. It, was it wasn't anything spectacular. Um, it took. I think we all agree. It took the best of a shit sandwich. Let best of a shit sandwich <laughs> and a uh, you know you pooped out something quality. Yeah, I give Kroll a lot a lot of credit for this for kind of taking that garbage that was Cry for Justice and crafting it into a, a tolerable decent story. I will give him credit for that segment. Yes. Yeah, so now part part two. This is the segment I will not give him credit for. The rise of Arsenal. I should clarify though. The fall of Green, uh, Green Arrow, even though he lost almost everything and had to go rough and run off the woods, there's a sense of hope to it because he's going off to redeem himself yeah. in the eyes of the public and everything. That's the thing. is That's why I wanted to I want to read Kroll's Green Arrow now because I felt like this ended on a note that I was like, I do want to ha- see what happens next. Yeah. He was also welcomed back like how Jordan like sees him out of, after the courtroom and be like, listen, we're still friends. Yeah. Which is also very nice. And there are a lot of like nice interpersonal That's the thing is there's scenes. a lot of good character work. And he does a lot in two issues. Yeah. So getting into the rise of Arsenal, the first thing we see is a flashback to the events of Cry for Justice, and we get to actually see how Roy got his arm cut off. We see more Roy character work on these, what, five pages than we do in all of Cry, Cry for, for Justice. Justice. Yeah. It has him FaceTiming with his daughter, yeah. yeah, you know, about, like, she can't have cookies and ice cream, and you get more of a sense of how much he loves his daughter here than you do at all in Cry for um, Justice. Did, we, did you enjoy the way the Prometheus-Roy uh, Harper fight went down? Comparatively to Cry for Justice, absolutely. Because I feel like Roy holds his own pretty well. I almost didn't like that. I liked the shock of him as Freddie Freeman just going in there and like ripping his arm off and him having no idea. It, it makes more sense when he stumbles forward and is like, I can't feel my fingers. Yeah. That, okay, I got that, he, that it would be much more because he's like, I have to go warn the others. Like, yeah. it's him. He writes that in that scene, it's like, I have to go warn the others, and then when he bumps into, I forget who he finds, he's like, I can't feel my finger. It's not like, oh my god, it's Prometheus. The way I interpreted Cry for Justice yeah. was he was totally surprised yeah. to get his That's cut fair, off. but as a Roy fan, I think... This is much better to yeah. you as a Roy fan, Yeah, but I liked the interpretation of the Cry for Justice scene better. I think that's fair, but I just think Kroll saw how... Harper was handled, how Roy was handled, and he just said, like, I need to give him a little bit more. Some dignity. Some dignity. Exactly. Yeah. I think I need to give him some dignity and then take it away by issue three. I'm not going to give JT Kroll that much credit because he does not give Roy Harper Roy, This that is the much... only dignity Roy Harper Now that Joe brings up, like, we agree with Joe. Uh, now, that makes it stupid that Roy just didn't tell everyone. Even stupid that Supergirl didn't just tell everyone that was Freddy. Based on my personal tastes, I will retroact. I'm considering that a retroactive another plot hole in Cry for Justice. <laughs> so... Next scene is after getting his arm cut off, Roy wakes up in the in the sick bay of the Justice League Watchtower, and he asks, "Oh, did they get Prometheus?" And Green Arrow says nothing, and Black Canary uh, is like awkward silence. Not yet. I don't know why Green Arrow's not saying anything. Yeah, because this is referencing the Green Arrow scene. At this point, he's already killed him. Yeah. yeah. And they're about to go send the team of Hal and Barry to go look for yeah. him. Yeah. So. This is echoing the scene. There are a lot of echoes of the scene in Green Arrow, the issue from before, where it's like Ollie not going with Hal and Barry, and like all this. There's a lot of there's a lot of like direct panels. Yeah, there's a lot of mirrors between what happens yeah. between the two stories. And so then he asks, "Where's my daughter?" And this is actually a really, uh, really impactful scene. And as as Ryan said, he likes the first two issues. I actually like the first two issues for the most part. And Mostly because of the brutal agony they portray. I think there's a, an honesty to Roy Harper's grief in the first two issues that I don't see a lot of. A book I would never recommend, but it, it nails depressing grief. Yeah, and that's the thing is, Joe and I talked a little bit, well, mostly Joe, about how after this, Roy goes into a book called Titans that he is not treated well in. And knowing that he ends up in such a terrible place, I was not looking at this as a hopeful turnaround for Roy. I was looking at this as him wallowing in depression, and that's what I found. And I found that it was well handled and a lot more honest than I expected it to be. So, like, 
you mentioned the scene where he asks, like, where's my daughter? And, like, nobody says anything. And Black Canary starts to cry. And, like, that's that's some heavy, powerful yeah. stuff. It's done very well. Yeah, Roy starts uh, breaking windows, starts smashing stuff, just crying out Liam's name. They have to sedate him to make him calm down. And while he's under the influence of the sedative drugs, Roy starts... Uh, hallucinating he's back with his former drug dealer yeah and Roy in the 80s in the 70s was addicted to heroin yeah so he had a long process where he cleaned himself up and mm-hmm. we mentioned this last time where he cleaned himself up he became a single father and became a member of the Justice League yeah and this is like a sign of him regressing to an earlier mind state as mm-hmm. the drug dealer is tempting him with heroin which I actually there are some flaws to it but I find that really realistic that it's a recovering addict that had this horrible tragedy happen to him and he finds himself reminiscing of the time that he had something to numb the pain I find that to be honest and I agree but Joe brought, brought up the point that why would the Justice League give a former drug addict sedative drugs they give him that, like that sedative drugs but he, for, for the rest of the series you see Roy Harper, you know, walking around popping pain meds, like prescription meds with the prescription bottle. Like opiates and stuff. And I'm like, who gave him this? Yeah. I'm like, he's a recovering heroin and like, addict. you guys are the Justice League. Roy's a guy who's good with knives. You can hold him down. You can yeah. contain him. Like, remember in Cry for Justice, Green Arrow and Green Lantern took out 40 supervillains at once, including a Superman clone. They can tie this guy down. They don't need to keep giving him morphine. So, getting into what I feel is an A-plus scene and an F-minus uh, story, Roy goes to find Liam's body, and he's just imagining her final moments. He's imagining how she was when she died, and she's imagining how she was struggling to survive. And because imagine- he he's such a trained fighter that he sees her wounds, and he knows how she suffered and all this stuff. And this is probably, in, in my opinion, one of the most powerful scenes. Yeah, and she life. says, first of my life, I'll be haunted, wondering if her last words were, Daddy, help. The art is just Roy Harper standing over his daughter's corpse, crying over Yeah, her. and it's it's really strong. It's not like the cheap pain that we saw in Cry for Justice that they didn't earn. Like, this is done really well. I'm actually tearing up a little bit just looking at it right It's now. rough. It's a rough couple pages. And it's like, like that's why I'm more on the, like, recommended to people who read Cry for Justice. Because I feel like these are the scenes that Cry for Justice, we complained, didn't have. It was missing. It was missing. It yeah. didn't have any of this heart. And this book is just heart. But uh, going to the next scene... As Joe says, Roy starts popping pills. Who, where he got them, who knows. But the prescription, somebody wrote him a you know, prescription. Yeah, yeah so, there's no, there's nothing that, like, it's there's nothing to imply he's getting them from not the doctor. Yeah, yeah. so he's getting opiates, and as he's, he goes back to his old house, the one he had with his daughter, and he sees people uh, robbing it, and he beats the shit out of them, um, having some trouble with a missing arm. And but he still beats the shit out of them. He beats the shit out of them. And the coffee mug throw is my favorite. Some guy's running away, and he picks up the coffee mug and beams him in the head. It was pretty great. Only one arm, but still great aim by Roy Harper. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he thought that in his head, like, when he hits him? I'd like to... Yeah, definitely. Son of a bitch, I got him. I'd like to think that Black Canary walks in and goes, Hey, heard you needed a hand. <laughs> Black Canary walks in and says, I, I want to help you... Uh, I want to help you deal with this. I want to talk to you about this. And Roy Harper's just like, Please, I just want to be fucking on. Get the fuck out. He's clearly... Yeah. Not in the mood to deal with her bullshit. To deal with her support. No, but, uh, but in Roy Harper's <laughs> but words. But in, in his words, In his yeah. mentality. Because yeah. she's, she's yeah. She legitimately here to support him. And Roy's in a mo- mo- uh, grieving mode of, I really don't, nothing you say will make this feel better. I can't really think of a, a DC comic that does grief as well as this one does. So Roy just ha- has more and more hallucinations of his drug dealer. And there's a lot of just him trying to fight it kind of stuff. Next we get, uh, Roy Harper finds out about Green Arrow killing Prometheus, and he meets him in prison. And he's angry because he says, I want to kill Prometheus, and you stole my justice, my vengeance. Yeah. Which, justice. that's a motif I've seen a million times. Do you buy it? I just had curiosity. I don't know if I buy it, but um, it might convince me otherwise. Given Roy's grief at this point, he's looking to lash out at anybody. I understand why he's so mad. That's a fair point. That he's, he's he goes, because he wants someone to suffer because yeah. of his suffering, yeah. Yeah. and the yeah. only person responsible can anymore. Yeah, not only does he want him to suffer, but he's also incredibly high on pain meds. Yeah. yeah. He is... All kinds of messed up. So you right asked that. Do you buy it? Now that you say that, 
uh, Green Arrow, I see if I view this more as uh, Roy is just lashing out at everyone. Like he yeah. wants them to be miserable, like he is. Like he is in a bad place, and that is reflected very much in how he acts with other characters in the story. He mm-hmm. does not want anyone's bullshit. He does not want anyone to feel. He doesn't want anyone's pity. He doesn't want anything. Anyone's yeah. consolidation. He just wants to lash out. Yeah. Now it's uh, Joe's favorite scene where Cyborg crafts a replacement. Cyborg from the Teen Titans. Yes. Who, uh, if you remember him from the cartoon, he basically like was in an explosion and his dad saved his life by putting a bunch of robot parts all over by him. By making him a cyborg. Yeah, by making him a cyborg. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> his, basically his whole character for decades was, I don't feel like I'm a real human being. I'm mostly a machine. Like, he really hated himself. Like, he, he really hated for himself. For a very long time. Yeah. He, he was really not... He's not like, as fun as he is in the cartoon. Yeah. But the cartoon... Well, the just cartoon showed, dealt with that, too. Yeah, it deals, it deals with it, definitely. Yeah. yeah. But in the and comics, the, he's even more angsty about it. And that, you know, they brought that to the New 52 status quo of him, too, where mm-hmm. he really doesn't, you know, he doesn't like himself. And being That's, a like, cyborg. the defining characteristic yeah. of, the, of the character. Um, and this scene uh, was very special because it's Cyborg, you know, building Roy a, you know, a robotic arm. And does he, he makes a pun? It's like you'll be good as new, like, you know. It's it's like Cyborg be like, you know, you'll be fine, as opposed to Cyborg being like, you know, I understand this could be a rough transition for you. Yeah, like is, you know, it was a yeah. very unsympathetic. This is the cyborg. first time that I felt like Kroll really missed the mark with the characterization. Oh, he misses wide. Yeah, this is like. You know. I think this is the only time Cyborg's even in the book. Yep. I would have really liked to see a scene, even if it was just a couple panels, of Cyborg just being like, hey man, I know, I know... This is a change. This is a change if you need someone to talk or whatever. Yeah. Especially because Roy and, and Cyborg have a big history on yeah. the Titans. That's together. a good point. That's a really fucking good point. And they've already... Kroll has referenced the that Titans Dick Grayson was before, on the Teen yeah. Titans, Wally West is on the Teen Titans. I'm surprised that... He missed so wide He on missed so wide on Cyborg. Uh, now, not a good scene, the funeral scene... <laughs> Uh, Roy brings up his Navajo upbringing and how the Navajo believes that even though uh, his daughter Leanne's gone, she's still with him in the earth, water, and sky. And Roy says that's a bunch of crap. I, I don't f- f- hear any sound of her voice in the wind. I don't see no reflection of her smile in the river stream. She's simply gone, and I'm alone. It's a two-page spread yeah. of yeah. Roy saying, I'm alone, at in front of the casket as they lower it, and there are dozens of DC characters behind him, and they're faded, the way it's drawn. They're very faded, and he is very in focus, mm-hmm. and it is a very powerful two-page spread. It, it, it drove home the point of Roy's self-isolation. Yeah, he's alone in the that crowd. he doesn't... It's not that he's alone, it's that he's choosing to be alone. Yeah. And the way it's done artistically, and with the narration and everything, and him questioning his religious beliefs and everything, I think that is like the peak of the book, right there. Yeah. And I think after here is when it starts to slip. But uh, to, to emphasize the point that Roy Harper wants to be alone, uh, Mia Speedy is there, and he yells at her, because basically Mia was babysitting Leanne mm-hmm. before she died, and uh, Mia ran off to go help the Justice League try to save Star City, and Roy screams at her, you abandoned her, you let her die. He's and just looking to blame anyone at this point. And then he, and he blames her for, because uh, she spared the execution at this point, and mm-hmm. she says, you had the chance for revenge I never had, and you let him let him live. And so uh, Mia's crying at this point, and Black Canary's trying to console her, saying that that's what happens when you're, when, when you're, when you're grieving, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Roy, Roy does not give anyone any slack. Yeah. Uh, and I, this is why I really saw that he was lashing at anybody, because he's mad at Ollie for killing Prometheus. He's mad at Mia for not killing the Electrocutioner. Obviously, nothing will work. He's Whatever. mad at Donna Troy. Yeah, Donna Troy, the, original <laughs> t- the woman that took down Prometheus. Uh, she, he, she tries to emphasize with Roy's him. Roy's ex-girlfriend from the Teen Titans, yeah. for the record. She tries mm-hmm. to emphasize with him, because she had a husband and, and, and child that died, too. And she says that you don't know Jack. Um, you're a terrible. He calls her a terrible mother. Yeah, he calls her a terrible mother, saying you abandoned your family because yeah. your your child died because you're a terrible mother. My my daughter died because I was stupid, and I was stupid enough to think a father could be a hero. So like, people are coming at him saying, "Please let me try to empathize with you," yeah. and he's just like, "No." And this, I given Roy's character. I think Kroll nails it. I think I think this, this nails it in just a general sense. We've all probably seen examples of people who. They just get angry, like like people. Like there's it's a stage of grief where yeah. ang- with anger denial, where 
and Roy is really just angry. Angry at himself mostly because he knows he blames himself and yeah. does not want anyone else to make him feel better about the decision he made to be a hero and not be with his daughter yeah. 24-7. And he's just lashing out at everybody. Next we get a somewhat subtle and key scene where Roy is practicing with his bow. And I, mean, I, I I've actually, uh, maybe you guys can clarify this, but I believe he stops using his bow after this. I don't remember him using it after that. Yes, so basically, Roy is using his bow, and basically with no arm, he just can't get the accuracy right. And he smashes the bow into pieces. And I believe this triggers a new status quo where Roy basically relies more on other weaponry. He's always been more of a weapons expert. That's why he's Arsenal. But but I think think he's more just Arsenal, which is, I think that's why it's called Rise of Arsenal, even though he's already Arsenal before this. But yeah, yeah, this is when I think he completely detaches himself from being an archer. Yeah, I don't recall if he uses arrows in Wallace's Titans run. I, but I couldn't you know tell what? you. As terrible as it's gonna sound, this is this all this talk with Cry for Justice, and this is really making me want to read Wallace's Titans. Go right? ahead, I'll bite the bullet for us. Yeah, go ahead. I'll do it. You you buy this one because I bought these two. <laughs> I already own them. Oh, Jokes dude. on you. <laughs> so when Roy goes back into his house, and that's when we get sacked by Cheshire. Cheshire is Leanne's mother. An old assassin. She was big in the Young Justice cartoon, if you remember. Actually, if you've watched Young Justice, a lot of Roy's backstory is in that. And she's mad at Roy for letting uh, their daughter die, in, in, according to her. And this is when I feel the book starts to slip. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's go through... So we're up to issue three now, right? Yeah, this is... This, we... isn't, this scene isn't when I think the book starts to slip, but this is the tipping point for me. Yeah. Right now, I understand exactly why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. Because they're grieving parents who are fighting... And they're physically, like, trying to kill each other. And then they get to a point where they stop and their eyes meet and they're, they look so sad. And they, they, end up, they end up having sex. I, I think in Roy's eyes, this is the one person who can truly understand yeah, what he's doing. It's the one through. person that he can't say versa. you have no idea. And I feel like they... It's the only place they feel like because remember they have a history. Obviously, they have a ki- they had a kid together. Yeah, and I feel like this is the only place he feels like someone understands him and he's understood is in her arms. And I understand why they have why they have the sex scene. The next scene is when it stumbled for me. The when Roy is impotent. When Roy is impotent because then it so took, it cuts it, from the powerful yeah. kiss of them like. You know, about to engage in coitus. Yeah. And then it goes to her saying it's okay that you couldn't perform. Which is... I don't know how I feel about it. I hate it. I know you guys hate it. I don't... It's not that I hate it. It's that it took what was a very powerful scene to me, and then it kind of made it a joke. That's the thing. And That was the... Th- I like, felt... Not that it made it a joke, but I felt it was very awkward because... I mean, it is awkward. It's not... By definition. That, it's not played yeah. like a joke. I like that, by the way. <laughs> it's not played like a joke, but it's also not played super straight either. Yeah. It's kind of just throwaway there. If you're going to make... Like we just said, the first time Roy feels understood, the first time he feels safe is yeah. in her arms... Don't have that then. Yeah. I under- I could understand if it was anyone other than Cheshire. This scene would have made more sense earlier in the book with his current girlfriend. Yeah. And then I felt it would have made the sex with Cheshire more powerful. Yeah. If we had seen that his every aspect of his life is falling apart, even his physical relationships. Yeah. And now he's safe in, in Cheshire's arms. In this scene, it feels weird. I think there are, there were better ways to write this scene. Yeah. Like, I, I feel like having her be like, listen, it's okay, and then Roy be like, no, it's not, would have been so much more powerful. Yeah. That's the thing is, it's such a throwaway line almost yeah. on something that I feel like should be a more powerful part of Roy's journey. You could, yeah. cut, you could cut that scene out. Anyway. No, you could. That's the thing is, no, I could totally cut it out. if there was any reason why this happens, because doesn't Cheshire, she doesn't show up anymore after this. No, right? that's nope, she's gone. And that's the thing is, I feel, I don't get why it's there. But Roy, after being impotent, decides to go find the release. He goes to fight some criminals. <laughs> he says he wants to find the release. So the book makes that pun. So fuck you, Ryan. He's got this new right arm that he has to break in. <laughs> but um, it smells like trouble. So, oh, but then it turns out like it's not enough. Smells. It turns out it's not enough. Uh, and his drug hallucinations say, "Come on, just get the real release you want. You want the heroin." And Roy's like, "You're right. Why am I fighting it? I'm just gonna get some heroin." So he goes and and. Uh, Jumps out at a heroin dealer, and heroin dealer, heroin dealer's like, oh, don't bust me. And he's like, I don't want to bust you. I want you to give me what you're selling. And I'm 
totally on board with him falling back into his addiction. Like, I think it makes sense in the context of the story. I think... It's been enabled. He's been enabled. Like, I'm... My problem with the scene is not that he's using again. My problem is that it's so cheesy. That he's like, I'm not here to bust you. I'm here to score. And I'm like... We've followed. You got you some A train, man. Like, yeah. Gives, yeah, yeah, exactly. He says like, I got you some some great stuff, some A trains, some China White, or whatever he says. Yeah. And like, I feel like up to this point, it's been such a grounded, serious, emotional journey that having it be such a surface like after school special dialogue is really it really hurts it for me. The only benefit that I think it got was you do have the impact of him going in costume. How far he's fallen that he no longer gives a shit about yeah. going and I didn't think of that. That is true. This is issue three. I said before how I found issue three a mystifying, one of a kind issue. I found the Cheshire scene bad, bad, just unpleasantly bad. This next scene I find funny bad. So it, it starts out ridiculous. It starts out a little sad. Leanne, his daughter, shows up as uh, Roy's on his coke uh, binge, and then he imagines Prometheus is coming to kill her again. And Roy just starts fighting off all the Prometheuses. And she's like, no. It's actually not Leanne. Roy is holding a dead cat. And he's beating up people to protect his dead cat. I think in theory this scene could work. Of him hallucinating and tr- and just beating up other people. Art doesn't sell the scene at all. The scene yeah. where Roy is standing over the dead cat looks He looks like silly. he's about to eat the cat. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and that's the thing is, I feel like this scene of him cradling this like dead animal fighting off thugs thinking it's a bunch of Promethean the Prometheans yeah. Prometheus Promethei Promethei I feel like this scene could be really powerful but the art is kind of silly here and I feel like it's not paced as well as the other ones and it, it, it he, just, he doesn't look strung out he doesn't look strung out that's the thing he needs to look like this is Roy at his lowest. Yeah, this is actually this is the best looking Roy Harper has been in, in a, a long time. Yeah, he looks like a standard heroic comic book hero in the scene. Like the art does not sell. Yeah, the tone of the story. And he's got to look. He's yeah. got to look super strong out yeah. if you're going to sell yeah. the scene. Absolutely, because I think Joe really hit the nail on the head. Because I didn't realize why I thought it was so weird until I saw. He's not strung out at all. He looked way more strung out before he started using heroin. Yeah, and now he looks fine. Yeah. So uh, now my my favorite part of the scene. Actually, my second favorite part, the cat's unbeatable. But uh, Batman shows up. And we mentioned last time Batman was dead. We should mention he Batman was dead, and Robin, the first Robin, Dick Grayson. I think, T- every, I think at this point everyone should yeah. know who Yeah, if you watch Teen Titans, the well, Robin's dead. He's been in the movies. He's, yeah. he's the first Robin. Yeah, the first Robin. Yeah. Uh, he's Batman's boy. He took up the mantle of Batman, and he's Roy's friend. Mm-hmm. And he says... Uh, they start fighting as Roy believes he's another Promethei trying to stop him from saving Leanne. And my favorite scene in the whole book uh, is Batman just decking uh, Roy as he says, I'm your friend, Roy. And he just kicks him in the face. Yeah. I love that scene. I do too. That's an honest, that's an honest scene. That's someone actually being his friend in like... But the art does make it silly. This artist probably will be fine for a more traditional comic book. This is a story about a man at the edge of his rope. A man falling apart. Like, yeah. you need a more... An artist that reflects that better yeah. for a story. And I wish we could be more specific about the artist, but the credits don't specify what issue dr- is drawn by who, and they list, like, nine artists. So yeah. we just... We're too lazy to find Yeah, we're both. too lazy to look it up. And 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 this artist isn't bad. It's just that he's just not right for his book at all. Yeah. The next scene is Black Canary talking to Roy, and he's strapped to a hospital bed. Black Canary and Batman... They, they're uh, having uh, Roy Harper be strapped to his bed so he can have the drugs get out of the system. And he's not happy about this, especially yeah. because he, now he's saying that Leanne is in the yeah. room. Don't they pretty much admit that Roy has to help himself and they're not going to visit? Yeah. It's that moment that every friend of an addict or someone who's, you know, like that has yeah. where, like, we can only do so much. We can, you know... Keep him isolated. We could keep him away from the drugs, but he has to try to help him. Yeah, but it's been two fucking days. That's it's true. been a very short. That period. is true. It's been such a short period of time. Yeah. He just yeah. lost his daughter. They should give him a little bit more. Like credit. holy crap! Yeah. Like at this point, it feels like to me this last issue. Are we in issue four now? I feel yeah. like it's been days since the funeral. Yeah, I feel like at this point in issue four, it feels more like they're just hitting the beats of every addiction story. Yeah, yeah. and it's less personal. Uh, Roy is now who's saying that Leanne's in his room 
and and blaming uh, him for her death and saying, you have to go and get revenge for me. You have to go and kill Luxutioner. And Roy basically, he just starts fighting against the straps, basically opening the wounds in his arm and making him start uh, bleeding again. So when Ordi's come to, to uh, unstrap him, he beats him up and escapes, gets his gear back, and goes to uh, Star City's prison to go kill Luxutioner. Mm-hmm. And that's where he stages a prison... Uh, a prison Right, anti prison escape where he's breaking into the prison and causing yeah. a riot. But he opens all the. Yeah, cells. But so, but so I like, don't know why he does that. Because he's, he's a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a jerk. He's a jerk. He's popping. He's popping like pills. He's doing heroin. He's telling people they're shitty moms. That's true. He does tell a lot of moms they're shitty. Not just moms. Moms with dead children. <laughs> yeah. That they suck. Rise of Arsenal, more like Rise of Ars and all. <laughs> Because he's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> so, Roy finds Electrocutioner, and as he's doing so, it's a good thing that the prisoners all did escape, because if they, if they didn't, uh, Green Arrow wouldn't be here for the final scene, where basically he breaks out of his prison cell and goes to confront Roy and says, don't do, make a mistake Because at this point, I think I, we do have to clear it up. The Green Arrow story and the Arsenal story take place at the same time. So it, th- during the Arsenal story, Ollie is still in prison. This is before the trial. He hasn't been acquitted yet. Ollie's story also never acknowledges this story. Yeah, I know, it's, yeah. it's weird. You'd think that'd be a big big thing. Yeah. yeah. So, especially since considering what happens, because Roy fights uh, Ollie. Roy basically wins. No, Ollie wins, but Ollie wins the fight, but he knocks Roy next to electric Electrocutioner. Yeah. Um, and he t- like he does the the classic hostage you know like grab yeah uh, pulls him into a room that uh, Ollie can't get to and you can take it from here and and Ollie begs him please don't do this and Roy kills Electrocutioner I'm sorry you're leaving out my favorite what, what is what does uh, Leanne say to him got him dad yeah. got him like the pig he is okay and what, and what does Roy say anything for you sunshine oh I love that scene it's it's just such a great father daughter dynamic. So, like, the ironic thing is, like, Fall of Green Arrow, Rise of Arsenal. Uh, Green Arrow falls in the eyes of the public, but he loses, he he regains sense of morality. Yeah. Green Arrow falls and lands like a nice trampoline to break yeah. his fall. Yeah, and Roy... Roy uh, falls and crashes through the fucking yeah, pavement. Well, I guess yeah. it, it's Rise of Arsenal because it's Rise of Arsenal, the anti-hero villain. I don't I know. Don't know. Rise of Arsenal using Arsenal. Rise of Arsenal, the future Eric Wallace Titans member. I like. I'm so tempted to make our next episode Titans, but we have to do something different. We yeah. can't keep doing these the, this, these terrible Roy Harper. Episodes. We we could just make the show about Roy Harper and have materials to go for days. So the final couple of scenes is Roy talking with Leanne and basically the ghost of Leanne, and basically he goes to their their old home and he tra- he locks the ghost of Leanne in their house and sets the house on fire. Is he saying goodbye to that life forever? I actually thought this was kind of powerful. I find it kind of weird. I, I feel like it was just trying to wrap up the ghostly Anne story after bringing it up suddenly. Well, that's not really how ghosts or hallucinations work. I, I think it's more symbolic of him burning down the rest of his past life. I know, that's why I find it weird, because hallucinations don't work like that. You don't just say, I'm done with seeing you, ghostly Anne. Like, I, th- I think that's what makes it a symbol. Is yeah. he's burning away the? I'm not saying oh, it's a symbol. I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying. It's, just it's a symbol of how easily he beats heroin addiction. I think, like as a metaphor, I think it works. But I think Sly's right that he's hallucinating this. It doesn't. The burning doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah. This is also the most sane he's been. Yeah. yeah. In a very like. This might. This might. You could argue. I guess yeah. you could argue that this is when his coke addiction is running off. His coke. Uh, stuff. It's heroin. Yeah. Is it coke or heroin? Because he like breathes in fumes. It's heroin. It's heroin. Can you do that with yeah. heroin? I don't know. Can you, Ryan? I don't know. Let's ask the resident teetotaler. <laughs> so, and the final scene is basically uh, Roy just walking away from the burning house. Yeah, but walking away from the burning house and just basically becoming the, uh, more fiercer, harsher vigilante. Out, to, basically, he's pissed at the people who are taking advantage of the more chaotic uh, Star City after the and peddling drugs. Yeah, yeah. and basically, yeah. just wants to bring to justice. Justice. And that wraps up. And that's that's how he beats. And that is how Roy Harper beat a heroin addiction in yes. three pages. Yeah. Yes. And that wraps up Rise and Fall. So final judgments, uh, Ryan. After we talked about it, I think I feel more positively about it now than I did at the beginning. There's a lot of good scenes in here. Yeah. I think if you're following Green Arrow, at the time, I would recommend skipping Cry for Justice and getting this book because you could pretty accurately, pretty quickly tell what happened in Cry for Justice, and um. 
you know, I'm going to go and continue with Kroll's Green Arrow after this. I think it's just like two trades or something. But um, I think that it's a good book that falters at the end pretty hard. And I suspect that after issue two of Rise of Arsenal, DC announced the Titans book and said Roy Harper was going to be in it, and they told Kroll what was going to be in it. That's not based on anything. But I think he kind of had to rush a status quo the last two issues. Because the first two issues are done, I think, really, really well, and really emotional and really powerful. And then it gets very beat-by-beat addiction story and ends with a very status quo kind of arsenal that gets picked up pretty quickly by Titans. I, I think he made the most of what he could. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, I feel like through that, the whole thing, I think he makes the most of what he can. I think they're like, my feelings haven't changed uh, after Dare Go Through. I still think that this is a, there are like a lot of really nice moments, a lot of great character work. Uh, there's also some not so great character work. So I'm split. My, my opinion is if you are interested in this era of Roy Harper and uh, Green Arrow, sure, check it out. Um, but by no means is this a must read. Yeah. Um, if you like these characters, they are handle like even the character work with like, you know, Dick Grayson and like Wally West. If you like those characters, there's much better character work of them elsewhere. This is like you, yeah. there, you do not need to pick this book up. But this is also, I think a, a better spotlight on the DC universe at the time than Cry for Justice is. A lot of things are a better well, spotlight. Yeah, on we the can't grieve on a Cry for Cry for Justice because we're never going to. That's true. That's true. About anything ever again. That's true. Um, on a scale from Cry for Justice to Trouble. <laughs> no, I'd say, I'd, I, I think, I think it's, if you're interested, read it. Like I said, if you're interested, check it out. Yeah. If, if you have an interest in Roy Harper and really want to see um, how Arrow treats him super well and mm-hmm. other, you know, media interpretations Young Justice don't. Young Justice well. also treats him very well. But yeah, like, you know, if you're interested in the character, and I mean, like, you know, like really interested and you want to see the history, you want to see the stuff, pick it up. This is by no means the must-read. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say that the parts that stand out really outweigh the parts that don't mm-hmm. for me. I wouldn't give so, it to anybody, but I wouldn't take it away either. I feel the same way. Like, I'd say, like, if they want to read this, read it. If you don't, don't read it's it. Fine. You know? What about you, Sly? I, this started out as a 6 out of 10, maybe 7 out of 10 story with the Green Arrow stuff. Became a 10 out of 10, maybe, potentially story. With the first two issues of uh, Roy Harper's story, then it became a one out of ten. Unfortunately, uh, if you average that out, come up to like I don't know, maybe a a seven or something, five. Who knows? But some some of the parts, some of its parts aren't. It's not greater than some of its parts. Unfortunately, those last two issues, they're they're issue three. I, I keep saying it. It's mystifyingly bad. I would recommend issue three of it if you want to see, read issue three and see one of the worst single issues of comics that exist. <laughs> so you are much harsher on it than we yeah, are. Yeah, I just I, like Cry for Justice was well never. Are you oh, gonna call Cry for Justice the masterpiece? And no, no, read that Cry for Justice fly? is is worse as a whole. But uh, no single issue of Cry for Justice is as bad as the single issue of of uh, Rise of Arc. I think really the last the the, the part where. That, okay, we're, yeah, we're, never mind. Guys, really? what I said. Guys, what I said. Uh, this is number two. <laughs> the job of the Justice League. This is and, number two. And the death of Leanne is, is number two. It is the equivalent of a Cry for Justice issue, and one of the worst ones at that. So, Cry for Justice issue, then this, and that's a harsh statement. Yeah. Especially in this, in this in run that's pretty decent for overall. So, recommendations. Do you have wait, any? Do you, oh, I forgot again. What? Letters from listeners. Are we, are we, wait, what's, what's the order? Letters from listeners, then recommendations? Yes. Okay, so. <laughs> I have one letter. We have a letter. And that's, again, divisiveissues at gmail.com. This one comes from Twitter. From Twitter? Okay. Which is also at divisiveissues. And the email says, do you know how to tweet? You should tweet. <laughs> Thanks, Twitter. So, yeah, you guys should tweet at us so we can respond and have Twitter not yell at us anymore for being boring. <laughs> So, uh, can I do recommendations now? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you go first, Ryan Lynch. Oh, okay. Thank you, Sly Crappa. So, I have a recommendation that's actually a little not a comic book. It's out there. I recommend the first two seasons of Arrow. Oh, you piece of shit. That Is that what you were going to say? You piece of shit. Oh, oh no. Sly has to go next now, because I need to think of something. <laughs> we can have the same recommendations. Like, you don't have to have all different ones every time. No, it has to be different, Sly. You okay, you know what? Sly go, and both Joe and I try to think of a different one. No, and... Ryan has to go eat one first. Okay. I think... But Sly has to go next, I, I, I recommend Joe take the Arrow one, because you'd read a lot more Green Arrow than Joe. Okay. 
I'll think of a new no, one. No, no, no. Ryan's go. He picked. Okay. Okay. So, I haven't finished season three. I'm not, not recommending season three because it's bad or anything. I just haven't finished it. Uh, season one and two have some of the best Oliver Queen and the best Roy Harper I've ever seen. Okay. So, if you like the, like, angsty side of Roy and, like, the badass... I got my recommendation. Awesome now. fighting. I highly recommend the first two seasons of Arrow. It's fantastic. Slice so to go next. Uh, to give Joe some time, I will say. All right, I know mine, but yeah. <laughs> I recommend. So what uh, we agreed upon, Sly. Brian Michael Brian Michael Bendis's run of Daredevil. Uh, that was my second choice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it reminds me very much of this. It's not as bad. Oh, that would have been so great if I let Joe take Arrow and I recommended that. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Daredevil, uh, if you've read the Watch TV show, I recommend it even if you love the Daredevil TV show. Because my friend read it right after the TV show. And it's a good book that captures the tone of the TV show. Uh, how many times can I say TV show? TV show, TV show. <laughs> Let's get to the plot. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, uh, basically, uh, Riker Rise of Arsenal, it's about a man falling apart. Uh, it's about Daredevil going through an emotional breakdown. And it's just, the loss isn't as heavy as Roy's loss, but it's a significant loss. And it's a loss that no one can really help him with. Like, Superheroes come to him, give him the support, but it's pretty hollow support because he has—he's the one that has to deal with it at the end of the day. Yeah. And they, and like, and like Roy, they try to help him, and he's not buying it either. And there, there are other stories I like that have a, a character falling from grace in a sense, but uh, Daredevil is another story where he doesn't climb back up. It's about him falling from grace and staying there. Later runs are about him rising back up, but. Brian yeah. Benz's run is about his fall from grace, in a sense. I would also like to point out that Alex Maleev does all the art, and it is he's my favorite. He's probably my favorite Marvel artist. He's, he's up there for me, too. It, yeah, and the reason why I thought of Bendis' Daredevil is because there is a very in-depth trial about, and I'm not going to get into it, but it, it does go into you know superheroes on trial and where do you draw the line and everything, and it's a lot more detailed and in-depth and all the... It's not better overall. Yeah. And it's it's a lot more of the nuances and the moral argument that we talked about Cry for Justice and Rise and Fall missing. It's all in Bendis' Daredevil. So what about you, Joe? Oh, uh, well. Don't you uh, dare say Eric Wallace is tight. <laughs> Too bad I'm picking Eric Wallace is tight. No! <laughs> if you want to see this awful status quo continue, um, have, an interest, have an interest in a run that has starts off with a lot of promise, uh, the murder of a fan-favorite character. Who we mentioned in Cry for Justice. In which Ryan, Ryan, Choi. Cho, Ryan Choi meets a very unfortunate fate. Remember we mentioned he goes on to better things? We lied. I don't think Titans we did. Titans is a so bad it's good. Titans it is, really Titans is. is all kinds of crazy. Um, you get more Roy Cheshire. Uh, you get Deathstroke, um, also of, of Arrow fame. Um, and Teen Titans, the cartoon fame. Um, Slade. Slade. Uh, it, so if you want to see how bad things can continue to get for Roy Harper. Um, this is the place to go. And I can't speak highly enough of Eric Wallace. You can. Titans. Any is highly enough. Um, if you want to con- if you want to continue riding this ride, that is the place to go next. And that is true. I recommend it. So if you guys have any recommendations for future books... If you, if you really want us to be like, yeah, Eric Wallace's Titan sounds like the best thing in the world, could you guys please recommend that? Yeah. Let us know. So if, if you hate us, recommend us uh, Eric Wallace's Titans. If you love me, but hate <laughs> Ryan and Sly, if you guys please tweet at us and let us know how much you want us to review Eric Wallace's Titans. If you guys have any thoughts or, you know, we missed anything or anything you want to add or you're really sick of my stupid letters joke, <laughs> you could email us at... Devi- if you're e- sick of Ryan's stupid letters joke, then make a change. Write us letters. Yeah. <laughs> email us at divisiveissues at gmail.com or start a change.org petition or you can tweet at us at divisiveissues so that's it I've and been you got something else Joe? Uh, we're doing another uh, personal favor of mine next week that's all I'm going to leave them on okay alright so we're going to have another Joe show for those who are looking forward to that yeah so. I know I'm the fan favorite here so <laughs> we're just you're our favorite <sighs> I'm my favorite too it's wrong agreement Everyone's three out of three hosts agree <laughs> Joe is the best <laughs> So I've been Sly Crabble. I've been Ryan Lynch. And I've been Josiana. Stay in continuity. I get no doubt.